You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. Our first reading is from Psalm 22, verses 1 through 11. You can find that in your pew Bible on page 457. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. The word of the Lord. All rise. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Reading from John 19, verses 1 through 37, found on page 905 in your pew Bibles. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, 
You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold your king. They cried out. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, And so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true. 
and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the Spirit might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good evening. Our family has a pet dog named Pippin, who's a 115-pound chocolate lab, who is much beloved in my household. And we have a little bit of a running joke, where when Pippin is making what looks like a human facial expression, or doing something particularly cute or particularly weird, my wife Maggie will ask me, what do you think he's thinking right now? And I always reply, very little. But it's actually a really good question. When you see someone doing something interesting, that's the question we ask, what are they thinking right now? When you see an athlete do something incredible on the field, when you see a child do something cute or ridiculous, you wanna know what are they thinking? What's in their head? What's going on in their heart? As we remember and give thanks this Good Friday for Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was betrayed and abandoned and arrested and mocked and tortured and killed on a cross, the question I want to ask is, what was he thinking? What was in his head? What was going on in his heart? What do we see from Jesus in these last few hours and even minutes before his death that shows us what is in his heart as he lays down his life for us? I want to focus on, on just one aspect of that. As, as Steve read, there's so many depths you could plumb in this passage. And I do not presume to know the mind and heart of God, but we can see the fruit of his heart in what he does and what he says. And so I want to focus just on what comes in two verses, verses 26 and 27. This comes at the very end, when Jesus is on the verge of giving up his last breath. And he looks down from where he's hanging on the cross and he sees his mother, Mary. And he sees John, who refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he speaks to them saying this. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to the woman, behold your son. And to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So what do we see of the heart of Jesus? What is he thinking? At first glance, it seems like Jesus is taking care of her needs. He's making sure she has a home, making sure she has a family, but I think that there's more going on than that. Because if you can remember what's happening in the gospel up to this point, Jesus has not been taking care of Mary. In fact, it's Mary who, along with a group of women, have given of themselves to travel with Jesus and his disciples and care for them. So if Mary wanted to go home, she probably could. Probably could have found a home with one of Jesus' brothers. So what is going on? What is in Jesus' heart? The night before Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread with his disciples, celebrating the Last Supper. He washed their feet. We celebrated this last night, if you were here, for our Monday, Thursday service. And then he famously prays a prayer for his disciples and for all who would believe in him. And, And I'll read just a short section of that. 
Jesus said this to the father, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you father are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with them where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus's prayer is for people who are apart and lonely and disconnected to become one. To become together so that through being together, they might be drawn further into the glory and love of the presence of God. So in the final moments before his death, Jesus sees two people who will feel lonely and left behind in his death. Two people who are feeling scared and desperate. And what does he give them? He gives them oneness. He gives them togetherness. He fulfills his own prayer by connecting them to each other in such a way that they might more fully be drawn into the love and glory of God in his presence. That is the heart of Jesus who died for us. And the marvel of this passage is that Jesus is working this oneness, this togetherness in the midst of his death on, on multiple levels. In, in the agony of the cross, in the midst of the, the mysterious and horrible loneliness that Jesus himself must have felt, he's making the sacrifice that unites all people to himself. So Paul writes in Romans 6 that those who are baptized are baptized into Jesus' death. The death of Jesus on the cross is the thing that unites us, that makes us together. We are together in Christ because we have died with him. Our togetherness as a people, as the church through the centuries, is one because of the death of Jesus. And Christ who hangs on the verge of death and, and is accomplishing these means of salvation for the whole world also grants these, these blessings to two scared, desperate individual people. In death, he's not kept from compassion for those who are in need. Even in the pain of the cross, he's not blind to two people that he loves. To give them the blessing of togetherness, of oneness, so they might know the love of God. In a moment, you'll have the opportunity to, to come forward to this cross, to reverence the cross. Dan's gonna give you some instructions for that before you do. But I would, I would encourage you to ponder as you come forward. And as you wait and as you watch others come forward, that this is why Jesus died for you. So that we might be together, coming to him, drawn through our time together, more fully into the glory and love of our Father. And I wanna tell you that if you are here tonight and you are feeling alone, and disconnected and apart. As you watch people come together and as you line up to do that, I want you to know that you are a part of this. You are with us. 
you are one of us. And if you'd like to be helped to come more fully into the community that we are, I want you to know that, that you're welcome and you're invited. We'd love to help with that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're wondering what's going on and why everyone's dressed in black up front, I want you to know this is why he came, so that people who are alone might become together so they might know the love of God and you are invited into that. And lastly, as you go from here and as you wait in this weird in-between before we celebrate the glory of Christ on Sunday, I'd invite you to consider who in your life might be lonely and apart and scared right now. And maybe take the next couple of days to pray for them and to consider how you might be a part of God's work to bring them into the togetherness that points them to the love of God. Jesus' heart was for the whole world when he was hanging on the cross. Jesus' heart was for you. His compassion for you overflows and he longs for us together to be drawn more deeply into love and glory that is the presence of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.